And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. We are in the home stretch for the draft. Yeah. It feels like uh, uh, it's funny how the NFL schedule and maybe the media schedule for everybody, it really goes from, you know, training camp through the draft. Like that's a season. It feels like you're telling you know? me. Then, I know. And that's what I am getting into now is that I'm it's funny how even on the media side, I go through the same cycle as I did when I worked in the league or when I was the son of somebody that worked in the league. So but very excited leading up to the draft, excited for this show and excited, of course, talk to you, buddy. This is running on Monday. The draft yes. is going to be in three days. It is going to kick off in Kansas City on Thursday. We will be live in Kansas City. Me, you, Dane Brugler. About 6.30 p.m. Central Time. We're going to get going a little bit before the draft. Kick off our conversation. And we're going to be bringing our analysis to every pick of the first round on oh. Thursday night on our YouTube channel. Like we've done in the past, but a little bit a little bit of an upgrade this year. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not. Please come hang out with us. We are very excited about the show. We're going to have a great time, and I think you guys will have a great time if you come follow along with us. Today, we're going to talk about kind of the contenders and what their draft plans might look like. And what I thought might be fun to try to talk about their needs and kick that up a tiny notch is to look at what a draft heater would look like for some of these teams that are contenders are on the cusp. And this is inspired a little bit by the Chiefs last year and the way that their draft kind of let everything fall into place. Even like what the Seahawks did last year, even if they weren't a contender, they went on a draft heater last year. Yeah. So these teams that are picking in the 20s that are kind of right there, if they went on a heater this year, what could that look like and what that mean, would mean for them? So we're going to talk about those teams picking a little bit later in the draft in a way that we haven't really during this process. But before we dig into that, we're recording this on Friday. It's about 12.15 Central Time. About an hour and a half before we started recording this, some fairly big news comes down from the NFL that four Lions players and one player from the Washington football team have been suspended. Three of them for the entire season indefinitely and two of them for six games, one of those players being Jamison Williams, the highest profile guy in this conversation, for violating the league's gambling policy after an investigation was done. Based on the reporting from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, it seems that the guys suspended indefinitely bet on NFL games, similar to what happened with Calvin Ridley last year, and Calvin Ridley was handed an indefinite suspension that lasted an entire season. Two of the guys in this conversation, including Jameson Williams, that were spending six games, apparently suspended because they bet on college games at the Lions facility, which is, again, against the rules in the league's gambling policy. So this is where we are. You know, it's a similar yeah. thing that happened last year. The league has been obviously very strict about this. They've been very upfront about this. I thought the Calvin Ridley suspension might be enough of a deterrent to stop guys from doing it. Apparently not. And with the Williams thing, this is a wrinkle in the process and a wrinkle in the policy where you can still get dinged for it even if you're not betting on NFL games. The league is not messing around with this, is my takeaway from this entire thing. As they shouldn't be. This is, it's, I hate using this term, but it's a slippery slope. Uh, and the Calvin Ridley one, I thought was, like you said, I thought that would have been a great deterrent. Oh, wow. They for former first round pick like, oh, my God, they slapped it. No problem. One year. Well, it was indefinite and turned into a year. That's still, you know, pretty, pretty big, pretty it's big. Slap to suspension. Entire, <laughs> my 
entire season. Um, I mean, shoot, uh, you look at other sports with the year suspensions is, you know, steroid use in baseball is an entire season. Like you don't get year long suspensions unless it's something very bad. And I, I understand hip- hypocr- hypocrisy with NFL owners. Trust me. If you look at my family and history, uh, there is a lot of stuff that I'm dealing with NFL owners and the ownership groups. So I totally understand that type of stuff, but doesn't matter. Rules are the rules. And Gambling the game just opens up. You don't want to open up that box and uh, causing outcome, forcing discussions about outcomes, calling them into question. You don't want any of those discussions to happen. You do not mess with the legitimacy and the integrity of the sport. And this is not just a something of, of like, oh, I'm an old school guy and do this. It's just you just don't mess with it. it there's so many rules that are in place because of this, because of what could the possible ramifications that can happen. You never know if a guy is betting a player prop on himself to be under receiving yards. You know, you don't know if a guy has, he's bet on the outcome of the game and it's his team losing. And they, and it's like, oh, well, no team would do that. The guy gets, guy gets paid enough. What if you're an undrafted free agent that's on a basically a week-to-week paycheck? Eh, well, yeah, you know, so if someone told me to take a dive, I, again, these are all hypotheticals, but I could see it. Like, this is not like outlandish to talk about. Um, but I just, yeah, you don't mess with this. These are the rules. There are plenty of rules. Like when I was in the league, even before that is you couldn't even be seen in a sports book. Uh, like you don't, and that's the sports betting has changed throughout the country and I'm all for it. I, I, I like gambling on sports now that I'm outside of, outside of uh, the NFL. But that's the thing It's like when you're in it, that is your job and you have to follow the rules of your job. And these are, you can't bet on sports or bet on the NFL. I should say you can't bet on your own team, especially you can't bet in the team facility. You're not even supposed to be looking at fantasy sports when you're inside the facility. Like and that and that's fantasy sports. There's a limit on how much you can win if you're in the fantasy sports league. Only like two hundred fifty dollars can be the total prizes. It's either two hundred fifty or five hundred. But just saying is that they do not mess with this stuff because it just what it can cause the uh, questions the integrity and the outcome of games. So I know it's tough. I know it's harsh, but I don't know. I just think that it, it's not worth uh, the down. The downside is not worth it uh, because of what could happen. The NFL stuff, betting on the NFL, like that to me is. Just- there's an, it's a, a no brainer. Like it, no with, with it, the slippery slope thing is exactly right. And I know the league is doing everything they can to make sure that the integrity of those games is not called into question. And yeah. whatever you think about, if like you said, if that's hypocritical because there are sports books at NFL stadiums now and all that other stuff, uh, understandable. But they cannot yeah. let that happen. So nope. the, those year long suspensions, I, I, we talked about this with the Ridley thing. Those are the rules. The betting on college games in the facility, of course, that's silly. Of course, that yeah. seems sillier. But those are the rules. And I think that this hopefully will allow more players to understand that's part of the rules if they didn't already and if that was the case with Jamison Williams. But these kinds of things extend to NFL employees of all kinds. You know, I know people that when I've been around them that are friends of mine who can't bet on certain things, can't be at a sports book when they're on an NFL sanctioned trip, that kind of stuff. Like these are just the rules. And it may be silly because of how ubiquitous sports betting has gotten in America at this point, yeah. but that's just how it is. And now the Lions, who drafted a guy with the first round pick last year, traded up to get him in the first round. He played barely at all his rookie season because of injury. Now is going to be suspended for the first six games of the season. The Lions, a team we're going to talk about today, are going yep. to be without a guy they spent a lot on and somebody that was yep. going to be a pretty central piece of what their offense was going to be this season. A, a key figure. Like really, and yes. what, some of that we're all high on. Want to see what and what he can do with for that offense and the you know the pairings, the synergy he has with the other pass catchers with the Lions. I know that's what's really disappointing because I was excited to see him healthy. I also want to say you're talking about NFL employees like can't be seen, you know, the sports book and everything and all that. Like even uh, employees that work here in Vegas. Uh, I know friends that work at various casinos, but someone that works at Caesars, let's say they work at a restaurant, Caesars, they can't bet at Caesars. Like they can't like that's the rules. Oh, well, I work at a casino and I can't bet. Yeah, that's the rules. That's how it works. And so, sorry, I just want to give another kind of it's not just sports that do this. It's the literal betting uh, operations that happen that go around. But this does suck because not, like Quintez Cephas, you know, has been kind of like a Wisconsin guy that I've always kind of like I liked. And I thought that he have a chance to be like a number four in this league. And that sucks for him and what's going to happen for his career, most likely. But especially with Jameson Williams, though, because this was supposed to be where he emerged. You know, he basically took a retro year coming off the injury uh, that he suffered at the end of, end of his career at Alabama. So that kind of really does stink because I do want to see what he's got, and I want to see him in that Lions offense that I'm very optimistic about what they could be this year. 
All right, let's talk about some of these other teams that we're optimistic about as well. These teams that with a really nice hot streak or a really nice run in this draft could potentially propel themselves into like a championship conversation or on the brink of it, you know, like truly into contender status. We've got like seven, eight teams we're going to talk about. You had one team I didn't have on mine. I have one team that you didn't have on yours. When we were discussing this idea, the team that was kind of the onus for it, the team that pushed it forward was the Bengals. Like, okay, the Bengals are right there. They're right there on the doorstep. What could a big draft look like for the Cincinnati Bengals that could take them over the top? So why don't you kick us off? What would that look like in your mind for Cincinnati this year? Reinforcements, young reinforcements on defense. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at it. Uh, This team, the last few years, has been built, obviously, off of a defense that we said, you know, got – got microwaved together. It got bangled together because they got a kind of a lot of mid-tier, mid-priced free agents because the cheap talent that they had on offense. Cheap, very good talent, but inexpensive talent that they had on offense. And I think that the, now the equation is going to shift for this team. Obviously, Burrow's going to get paid, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins situation, all that. And on They've top already of lost it, some of those guys. Yes. Yes. But Jesse and Bates so, is gone. Von Bell is gone. They've already yes. lost a couple of those dudes. So the math is going to change a little bit for them, not a little bit, a lot of it uh, for them in that, okay, now we're paying the offense, so now we have to find the cheap talent on the defense. And it's not those mid-tier, upper-middle-tier type of free agents. We have to draft, and that's how you find the quote-unquote cost-controlled players. So to me, I see them, I, I would like to see them either take a defense alignment or a corner with their first round pick. And I think they're slotted in a nice position to take one of those guys. It's a deep corner draft, or at least, you know, there's at least six guys that are interesting. There's a couple of interesting kind of like number two, number three um, on big boards type of defensive tackles, like Keanu Benton from Wisconsin's a guy like Maisie Smith from Michigan. You know, those are kind of more bigger interior guys that I think could be interesting, uh, you know, BJ Hill and, and reader and all that, as they get older, have another nice succession plan for them. But that is what I see, at least at the top. As much as I want to see them take a running back or a tight end in the first round, it's like that to me, it feels like a bonus that maybe they can take in the second or third round, especially how this draft breaks down, where there is a nice kind of nice talent in those types of rounds. We talked about this with Dane on the tight end show. And then so that's how I look at for them is DB and defensive line early and hopefully in the middle rounds, grab a tight end or running back where they could be a contributor for the offense. And I could see that if they went four for four in their first it's kind of nice with the Bengals. You know exactly where they're going to be picking. They don't, <laughs> no trades. They never move their picks. <laughs> no trades. You know exactly so, where I, they're going to be picking. You know exactly how many picks they have. Do you even have to look at Tankathon? I knew that they had seven picks in this draft, one in each round. So I, I just I looked. I prepped for it. I was like, oh, of course. So I, that's how I look. I, if they can go four for four with those first four, four, first four picks that they have, wow. I, I could see them really kind of reconfiguring this team quickly. It's funny that you say those tight end and the running back in those middle rounds because that's exactly what I had laid out. It's a yeah. d- defensive difference maker at 28. And I think yes. that is a guy up front. You know, I think they still, you know, Joseph Osai was good for them in stretches last year, but uh, in the interior, I think they absolutely could use one more piece to just get a little yep. bit of juice to their defense. So is that, uh, Clash Canty from Pitt if he falls a little bit. You know, is that one of those other defensive tackles like you mentioned or a Maisie Smith or the guy from Northwestern? Just somebody that yeah, can add yeah. a little bit more pop to that defensive line rotation. And then beyond that, you know, the, we talked about the depth at the tight end position on the tight end show. So can you get a guy who's 85% as good as Dalton Kincaid in the second round? You know, can right. you get Sam Laporta? from Iowa in the second round of this draft and drop him into your offense and have him be that fourth receiving option. Mm -hmm. And then in the third round, can you go get your pass catching running back option? Mm -hmm. Because they really did lose a lot with Samaj P. Ryan. He was such a good pass protector. He was such a steady force for them. You know, that's the range of the draft where is that a guy like Roshan Johnson from Texas who has a lot of pass protection qualities that college backs rarely have. Can you kind of drop him into that Pirine role immediately? And does that kind of bring the entire offense together? And then maybe a little bit later, some secondary depth because safety is the position I keep coming back to, you know, now with Von Bell and Jesse Bates gone, you know, Dax Hill is going to be there. They brought in Nick Scott and free agency, but they don't have nearly the amount of bodies that they had at that position over the past couple of years. So if they can do that in the first four rounds, feel like we're cooking. And, and, we're, we're cooking. I want to be clear about this. Every seven-round mock is going to have stuff like this. Yeah. 
it's not going to all click. Like even if they no. pick these positions, not every guy is going to click. That's not how the draft works. Exactly. Your, your, your guys that you're <laughs> drafting here are not going to be immediate contributors for the right. most part. In this exercise, we're imagining a timeline where it all does happen, where yes. you're getting a Tariq Woolen type of hit in your draft class maybe a little bit later than you normally would be. In this yeah. case, Sam Laporta is better than Dalton Kincaid as yes. we're imagining this timeline. So I just wanted to like set the parameters as we were thank you for doing got that. into the discussions for all these yeah. teams. I'm picturing in my head what the Seahawks did where they're like, wow, we have five starters. Exactly. Like, legit exactly. rookie starters. Like that's how I picture that. Yeah. So and- we're living in fantasy lands, to be clear. Yeah. Like this is but probably it's not going to happen, but no. we've done a hundred draft shows. We're trying to have a good time here. <laughs> this up a little bit it's funny that you brought up Roshan Johnson because my pro comparison for him is P-Ride that's awesome so that's great it's it's perfect it's kind of like I exactly see him as being that type of player I'm a big fan of his I just thought that was an interesting one even day three picks like Evan Hole from Northwestern you know he's not like a star or or even a super upside running back but a guy that's a steady Eddie type that can play you know those 15 to 20 snaps a classic I wouldn't say scat back because when I picture scat back, I picture like, you know, like a true pass catching back that that's they're a mismatch guy, but a guy that's a pass protector. He's on third down. See, you're going to run some screens for him and I can see him just slotting in perfectly with the Bengals as I, I view him as more of like a fourth rounder. And, you know, some teams that's about where it looks like he's being slotted fourth and fifth round. So, but I, I like him as kind of fitting in with the Bengals as well. I think that they are going to come away from the second through the fifth rounds in this draft with a tight end and a running back. I just I like gut that. feeling. I think that that makes sense based on the holes that they have and the guys that they lost this offseason. Yep. You know, and Joe Mixon's future there, I think, is very much in question. So yes. I think that is how I envisioned it. Just a little bit more juice up front. Those yep. two more complimentary pieces on offense. The one thing we did not mention. I, I do still think there is a need for another offensive lineman somewhere yeah. along the way here because Jonah Williams is not going to be there next year. Obviously, they signed Orlando Brown in free agency. Jonah Williams' future is in question. I think they do need one more piece along the offensive line somewhere. I just think it's a little bit more fun to imagine these positions yeah. compared to right tackle depth as we're <laughs> oh. thinking about how this could all kind of come into play. Interior swing guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm going to exactly be honest with you. About. There are not a lot of interior swing guys on this show for me. There's some interior <laughs> offensive linemen because yeah. I do think for a couple of these teams, it is a necessary piece. If and the way I always envision this is like you drop the last, like I'm trying to think of the best. You drop the, like the last thing in like Tetris and it all just kind of yeah, goes yeah. like, that's yeah. how I envision this kind of thing is the line just disappears. And for up. some of these teams, you're going to need the interior offensive lineman to make that line disappear. So, that's but funny. the interior swing guys not happening very often. Might be even the next team we talk about is uh interior, it certainly interior might be. Guy. <laughs> All right. like next team talking. here, another yeah. AFC contender. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. What does the Buffalo Bills heat check draft look like to you? Uh as sexy as the sound, maybe a little offensive line help in the interior. <laughs> um a I mocked this and when uh Deontay and I did a mock, and I actually seen a couple others, and that's uh the guy that I think is a perfect as far as value, quote unquote value. I know that's kind of like an arbitrary thing when talking about draft stuff, but where he's looking at getting slotted and where the Bills are picking in the first round, Osias Torrance from Florida, because I think that is a guy that's a plug and play starting guard day one. I I, I really like his game. Um, kind of surprised me. I, I was going in watching Anthony Richardson. And I kind of was peeking at Torrance too. And I really liked what Florida's offensive line did just sidebar. Like I actually thought they were pretty well coached, not talking about the receivers, but the offensive line did some nice things in the run game. But anyways, uh, the but I really like that disappointing during this draft cycle to me to watch than was the, the Florida receivers. receivers were the Kentucky receivers, Kentucky offense, the Kentucky <laughs> offense, the Kentucky <laughs> offense period. Poor. Oh, no. Will Levis is still getting iced up. Uh, that is, he took so many shots. But I had to put together that video. I, I rewatched that. was part of the segment. It was like, not lack of help from his teammates. And when you watch it one after another of Will Levis, like throwing some beautiful trick shot. And it's like, as he's getting smoked because two of his offensive linemen missed the block and then the tight end drops it. It's like, poor guy. I'm sorry, man. But, anyways, back to the Bills. <laughs> um, but uh, I do think that they're in a perfect position to take that guard or that type of player. Um, if they want, you know, Tipman, Joe Tipman, the center from Wisconsin, you know, if you want a Mitch Morse succession plan and you have him as a guard to start out and then move over to center when Morse moves on, wouldn't hate that. Um, there's a hole at linebacker. 
After, yes. you know, after, yes, after Edmonds leaves, uh, yes, they still have Milano. Milano's getting older, but that is another one that I, it's a, it's a poor linebacker draft. I'll, I'll just say that first and foremost, but if they can maybe find a guy that they think is interesting on day two, I think those are two spots that can, they can really add juice for like kind of like a vet laden team, uh, as how I picture this Bills team and where they can keep that window of contention open before they kind of have to reconfigure everything maybe next year. But that's the two spots I really look at early on. I believe that Osiris Torres took one of his top 30 visits to Buffalo. Um, okay. So that, that there's a, a connection there. When I saw that, I was it kind of had some alarm bells go off just because guards, starting guards at least, is one place where they have invested. You know, they gave mm-hmm. Ryan Bates that deal where they matched the Bears offer when he was a restricted free agent. I think yeah. it included like $8 million guaranteed. So that's not an insignificant amount of money to give a starting guard. And then they signed Connor Williams in free agency. Yes. So they have two guys that they've invested in at that position. I don't know how that impacts their plans, but just something to keep in mind. I just couldn't get away from the pass catcher thing late in the first round. So they, I believe, also had a private workout with Jordan Addison, you know, at JSN2, I think. And I think they've met with Zay Flowers. So you drop one of those guys in and you have a slot option to go along with Stefan Diggs, whatever you're getting Mm -hmm. from Gabe Davis at this stage of things. It's just hard for me to get away from that after watching their offense in, in the playoffs. And I know that the offensive line is still an issue. But to me, right tackle seems like it might be more of a hole yes. than anything else with the current makeup of the roster. So if Darnell Wright is available there, is that yeah. the best op? Darnell Wright from Tennessee, is that the best option they can drop in based on the current state of their offensive line? So I went receiver first and foremost, like just adding one more bit of pop to their receiving core at the back half of the first round, maybe offensive line in that same kind of spot. And then yeah. a little bit later, where do we look for defensive reinforcements? Linebacker is also something I came back to. I believe Dane had them taking Drew Sanders from Arkansas in the first round of his seven like. round mock. I, I'm not. I have not watched him yet. Just full yeah. disclosure, I've not gotten into I, the linebackers in this year's draft. But he's probably that's he's what probably Dane said. him and uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa are probably my top two guys. I, I would say, but I would say Sanders is a half tier better. Uh, like that would be one I'd be comfortable taking in the late twenties, especially in a draft like this. And then the other thing I was thinking about. Why not tight end? You know, why couldn't yeah. they be a team if one of those tight ends slips later into the second round, your Tucker Crafts or your Darnell Washingtons, if they're going to be using a little bit more 12 personnel, having yep. a real threat next to Dawson Knox within that offense, just one more pass catching option somewhere yeah. along the way. Does it make sense for this team? And then building in some depth elsewhere on defense. Yeah. They, oh, my God. Now I'm like picturing Tucker Craft going there. That from South Dakota State, that is in the second round would be amazing. There, I've they, got one uh, more spot for him later on when we talk about okay, one of these. But teams, uh, so. like, uh, but I, I, I totally agree with the the tackle uh, comment. You know, Spencer Brown was had a rough year. I, I thought personally, and then but you got Anton Harrison, you know, from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But he might go a little earlier. But that's a guy that I think has both sides capability or potential, and that would be an interesting one as well. And they're actually the one team, even though I don't. It's one of those things with Stefan Diggs where you picture Stefan Diggs and because he moves so fluidly, you're like, oh, he's 5'10", and you always forget that he's like, you know, 6'1". You know, so like he's actually like a decent-sized player. Um, Last year, I want to say it was after the Lions game they played on Thanksgiving. We did a whole segment on the Bills offense and looking at the stats, and it kind of surprised me how much better Diggs was from the outside. Like he was fine from the slot. Not good, though, like statistically and even just eye tests and stuff. I actually – it's kind of – Kind of different than what I w- was thinking. So it's interesting to me because I just imagine him as an outside player. Like I just he, uh, like, the way the, I com- he just the comebacks yeah. and I just and that's why I think he's best outside. So if you can have like no. a real slot option that allows him to play that's, out there, that's, that's what I'm gonna say. That's what I want. All the teams looking at a receiver, the Bills make sense to go after one of these slot only guys, quote unquote slot only guys. Like I'm comfortable them taking a JSN. Uh, Zay Flowers kind of has that inside outside, but Addison makes a lot of sense like Jordan Addison does like I would actually be comfortable with him going to the Bills because he gives them that little bit of different flavor no and I agree with you I know Diggs was good on the outside I thought he was gonna be equally good on the inside and it was like it was a significant drop off which I was I just thought was which kind of shows it's like but they maybe keep him on the outside let him cook out there and get a better guy on the inside I think you can do a lot more damage it's interesting conversation because uh, the reason that 
it's not surprising to me because I imagine him this way is that so much of his game is built on that vertical push and that ability to kind of work underneath off yep. of that, that his skill set just translates best out there. That's no where he does so much. Route. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. that ability to kind of just throttle down and kind of change yeah. tempos like that, that's how he destroys people. So that's just how, what I imagine him doing. But yeah, yeah it's interesting. I, I, that, that type of guy, that type of guy in the slot, I do think I agree, could be complimentary to what they have now. The next team that I wanted to talk about this is the team where I just feel like the glaring, glaring hole is in the slot for them at a receiver, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Yes. So Seattle's yes. a little bit further away than some of these other teams that we're going to talk about, but they have so many picks that I think you kind of talk yourself into this. What are the chances of them going on another heater a year after doing it? Probably pretty low, but we're not really dealing hey. in reality here. No. <laughs> so we're not I, at all. They're picking 20th. I would love to see them with JSN in the slot. You had Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and him in the slot, and that you get him at 20 overall. I I just – that sounds so good to me. They did not work out or really look at that many receivers with their private workouts. I don't think it's in their DNA really to be taking a receiver at this spot. I I would be surprised if it happened, but I want to see it happen, and he's the guy I would keep coming back to. So I had him at 20. Of just a game wrecker at five, like whatever, yeah. like monster kaiju is on the board at number five. <laughs> that's what I want to take. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Tyree yep. Wilson, just give me the best monster at that spot. You combine that with JSN, and then you keep going. They have so many fucking picks. Okay, the other two holes that I would immediately go to on the roster, outside of a defensive difference maker up front and a slot receiver would be interior offensive line, a starting guard, which you absolutely could get one of those guys in the second round, whether it's Steve Avila from TCU or one of those other guys who might be around in that stretch, and then corner. So a guy like Keely Ringo from Georgia, if he's there in the second round, one of those other guys at that position available in that range to play on the other side of Tariq Wollin. If you drop in those four guys and those four guys relatively hit, we're cooking with gas here. Like I am very excited about that version of this Seahawks team. It's nice having four picks inside the top 52. Not that's, bad, that's, man. It's really, really fun because even if they hit on two of them, it's like, <laughs> that's huge. Like getting two legit starters. Uh, no, I, there's not much to add here because I really do like the, the slot receiver. I, I think that is the whole, um, I know that they are going to have some interesting questions to answer tight end wise as well. I like where they're at now. But if they want a succession plan, like, and that could also give some answers to the slot receiver stuff. This is going to be something we keep going back and forth because this tight end class is so interesting. And there's actual guys that could do this stuff, not theory. Uh, but I no, I there's not much I can add there. Uh, interior offensive line, like you said, and they're actually when you have this many picks, you can choose your adventure. Like yeah. you know, you can hey, uh, we really like this guy. We got to reach a little bit on him at pick thirty-seven. But it's like in this type of draft, who cares? Uh, but at, at pick five, totally agree with you. If they're comfortable with Jalen Carter, uh, uh, easily take him. I, I want to see him and Draymond Jones form a Bash Brother duo. Uh, I think those two would be amazing together. Uh, but yeah, a Will Anderson, a Tyree Wilson, or anything of that sort, I pick five. I totally agree with that. And yeah, in 20, they could be another team that looks at Osiris. You know, like, you know, just could be interesting there. But also, yeah, they're slotted perfectly, pun intended, to take a slot guy like JSN right there at pick 20. So again, even though I said not much to add, I just, you know, just talked for five minutes there <laughs> among all of these teams that we're going to talk about this is my favorite because i think the holes are so apparent and yeah. where they're picking allows them to chase players at those Which positions nice. that it was just easy to see the room come together for the seahawks even compared to some of the other teams that we're going to talk about yeah they could they, they're another team that could take a you know like a pass catching back later mm-hmm. in the draft like that like you said everything they need they have it's there's a viable answer to find it which is that's that's a nice place to sit Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Next team here, the Los Angeles Chargers. We talked a little bit about them on the tight end show. I yep. think that it's very tempting to continue to talk about or think about what another pass catching option would look like for the Chargers based on where they're picking. What did the Chargers hot streak look like for you? I would pass catcher of some sort, either a speed guy on day two, or if they want or if they're interested in Hyatt, you know, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, like that would be interesting. But juice as a pass catcher. I have personally thought I would really like them to see it take a tight end in the first round. And I think they're in a perfect position to take one, especially if Michael Mayer drops there. I know we talked about this on the tight end show, but I love that fit. I love that what he could do for Herbert, just giving another underneath option. Might be a little hat on a hat with uh, Keenan Allen in the short term, but Keenan Allen's probably going to move on pretty soon. And yeah. that, that's why you have a rookie deal tight end. So, um, But I also think that when you get to day two, find one of those defensive tackles. Uh, I think finding just keep adding reinforcements to the front seven, adding building through the spine. They're another team, especially after Nasir Adderley retired. Um, they need guys at safety. I think they just have to find guys on day two that can contribute through the spine of their defense. I actually like if their offensive line can stay healthy. I like where their offensive line is sitting at. This is another team, though, that they should be so happy that there's going to be a bunch of running backs in third and fourth round as well. Someone to help out Austin Eckler, even though they keep drafting guys on, on in the fourth round, uh, but find one that can actually contribute. Another team that could find a guy that either an innings eater that can take some uh, load off Austin Eckler or a guy that could be a third down type back for pass protection duties as well. So kind of in a weird spot where the roles that or the spots that I think they need filled are more like super role players. You know what I mean? Like in a weird way, maybe super. I think that's right. I mean, they, yeah. the, if you look at their starting twenty-two guys, you feel pretty good about pretty it. Pretty good. But there are <laughs> yeah. there are spots. I think safety is one of those places. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Alohi Gilman is now slotted in as the other starter next to Derwin James. I think they need depth behind that. JT Woods didn't play a lot for them last year after going in the third round. So those are the safeties yep. that you're looking at. So I think safety is one of those spots. Edge depth. I mean, they, yes. they just they just oh. have no edge depth. So yeah. somebody to give them some meaningful snaps behind Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa somewhere along the way, and then another pass catching option. They're the team where I'm thinking about. Okay, you're at 21. You need some of these guys that are just bodies for you at some of this some of these positions. Do they trade down? Yes. Are they one of these teams that could really again? If we're talking about how deep the tight end class is specifically. Yes. Could you get 85%, 90% of the guy you were going to draft at 21, but can you pick up an extra third round pick somewhere right. along the way to do it and really fill in some of these holes that we're talking about? I think yeah. that's kind of the most interesting version of events for me as it relates to the Chargers. No, the, the trade back makes a ton of sense for the Chargers because in this type of draft, and we keep talking about it, there are a lot of it's not a lot top heavy, but there are a lot of useful players in this draft. And so if you get more of those picks before pick 90, okay, just take more chances to get these role players that can contribute. And this is a team that can need those types of players. I, I liked what you said, though, maybe getting another uh, edge player, like a guy that, as you were talking about that, that make a lot of sense for them is uh, from Kansas State, Felix and you DK Uzama nailed it. Uh, and uh, I, I don't he, know. So I can't tell you. <laughs> 
he he's a kind of a DPR designated pass rusher type. Um, he's a little up and down against the run, but as a guy that another auxiliary pass rusher that can start out that actually has some juice. Um, I I kind of have compared him a little bit privately to Yannick Ngakwe, where it's like, yeah, when you ears pin back going after passer, you really like this guy playing the run. Eh, uh, we'll, we'll see, but I think that'd be a nice complimentary piece that they can maybe find on day two. That's just a, a kind of a pairing to even think about until this show that I kind of like as well. In Dane seven round mock, he has him going 50th Uzama to the Bucks in the second round. So just the range that Dane specifically sees him going in. Uh, one other thought when I was looking at the Chargers, I'm actually weirdly excited to watch the Chargers offensive line this year. I'm too. With, with Sawyer now slotted in and playing guard, and then Zion Johnson moving back to the left side and like kind of his original spot. Yeah. Trey Pipkins, if he's a little bit healthier, like they have a lot of youth a- along yeah. the line outside of Corey Lindsley, and I think Which, it's just a group that just could have a lot of a lot of oomph to them that they haven't really had in years past. Even with Filer being there, Filer, yeah. it's the type of guy you find in free agency, right? He's yeah. $7 million a year, starting yeah. level player. But I think the higher upside is definitely there with a combination of Sawyer and Johnson and, and Slater being and, back. And and your uh, your all-pro rookie left tackle coming back is a nice injection of talent. I think we've kind of like, uh, not I don't say me and you, but in general, I think the people forgot how good he is, uh, Rashawn Slater. And so I think that's he's going to come back and everyone's going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're you're an all-pro rookie player. Yeah, uh, one of the hardest positions to play as a rookie. Let's see how you do as healthy in in year three. So I, I agree. I if they stay healthy, I think it's gonna be really interesting. I think Zion's gonna take a leap forward as well this year. Next one here, the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a fun one. This, this is, is a fun one to think about and what the possibilities could be. What does your Jags heat check look like? Oh man, I, I think they need to take uh, as much as I want them to take a tight end in the first round. I think if they nail a cornerback in round one, that would really interesting. Help them out. So I was wondering if it, to me it was between like corner and interior defensive line. That's and that's they kind of have that. That's the two glaring holes on this team. I look at. I would say maybe. And this is a good spot to be on offense, I would say, is a, a tight end that can block a little better, you know, to take some snaps that they lost with Chris Manhurts. Evan Ingram is a fine, you know, good receiver and everything. So, like, offensively, I actually am okay with where they sit. Mm-hmm. Maybe an offensive lineman that, you know, can just add some depth to them. But offensively, I'm okay with where they're at. But defensively, yes. Uh, and they're kind of sitting in a great spot at 24. Those defensive tackles that I mentioned earlier, Benton, Maisie Smith, but also just all the corners. And I, I'll keep talking about this, but they're in a good position to maybe find that number two. And I think he doesn't have to be the guy right away, which I think is in a good, that's a good position to be in, especially at that spot at corner. So that early on, I see that. And on day two, I would love for them to take a tight end somewhere, uh, either second round or third round. I would love that for this offense, uh, especially a guy with a block. This might be a, is this the Tucker Craft landing this is spot? The Tucker Craft landing spot mm. that I had. Yeah, love that's that. That's actually, I think that's what Dane has in his seven round mock was Tucker Craft going to them in the second round. I love that pairing. Uh, I I would really really like that. And then if like if I were being like, oh yeah, let's just give Trevor even more help. Maybe you know a Mingo in the third round, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss or something. Maybe a bigger receiver. Uh, but that's just I think more of a cherry on top uh, for uh, moving on in the future. But if now, if you're winning now. This is what the heat check would look like. Interior defense alignment, a corner, and a tight end in some way, shape, or form in the first three rounds. The best version of their defense last year is after Trey Herndon got moved into the slot and they moved Darius Williams outside in the second half Mm -hmm. of the year. And all those guys are back. They brought Trey Herndon back. Not on a massive deal, obviously, but they paid him two and a half million bucks to come back this year, and all of it is guaranteed. So, I mean, that's like contributor level money even yeah. on a short-term contract and obviously they gave Darius Williams a really big deal <laughs> yes, so man. as things currently stand you could argue that they have their three starting corners already on the roster along the defensive line that's where it starts to get a little bit dicey you lose Arden Key in free agency you mm-hmm. lose Dewan Smoot in free agency and both of those guys I guess are technically edge players but there's a ton of versatility. They can lose all <laughs> yeah. over the place. So interior is both, I think, where they could use some help and where the draft kind of aligns. Brian Brisset from Clemson is somebody that Dane and Andy were talking about earlier this week. If he falls to them, are they a Maisie Smith team? Just one more body as part yeah. of that defensive line rotation that can play on the inside for them. And then maybe an edge guy. And then maybe yep. that's where it is, like as part of the rotation. So defensive line piece is the first spot that I went to because I think they 
corner may be closer to being a short-term solve, and this is all short-term thinking. Short-term, right, than, yes. Than the defensive line may look like. And then I yeah. immediately went to tight end in the second round. Yeah. So if they it's, can drop a Tucker, Tucker Craft from San Diego State, South Dakota State into into <laughs> this, yeah, some, <laughs> some 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 state. If they can drop him into this equation, it gives you a twelve personnel look that you didn't really have last year. Yeah. Because Chris Manhurts is your extra tackle in some of those looks. Yeah. If you have somebody that's a bigger body that can actually give you some pass catching as part of that overall equation with Calvin Ridley, now we start to get to a version of the offense where it's like, okay. I, I like this. I don't yeah. know how Jags fans feel about this with Walker Little now stepping in to be their starting right tackle now that Jawan Taylor is gone. I thought he did fine in, in limited too. action at left tackle last year to the point that you spent a second round pick on a guy. I'd like to see what he can do at yeah. right tackle is, is with a little bit more run, a little bit more leeway, a little few more reps. So the offensive line is not the first place my mind went, but I, I know that some Jags fans are feeling a little bit a little bit of trepidation about what that group looks like without Jawan Taylor. And I can understand that. Yeah. And I'm never going to, if a team takes an offensive lineman in the first three rounds, I'm always like, yeah, fine. Like you can never have enough depth at the position or guys, a succession plan or a possible starter. So like, that's where I understand if you do have some qualms with it, like Doug Peterson, just a fantastic, like I, can't praise how what they did with that offensive staff last year. How they can hide weaknesses, like or or you know really expound team uh, players' strengths. The Evan Ingram's the perfect example, using his speed more horizontally than vertically, but also just offensive line. Even at times where they, were, I felt like they, had, you know, they were overmatched. Okay, a lot of movement throws. We get let's get Trevor going. We're doing a lot of bulls or uh, elephants on parade and having the lineman just go one direction. I, I do like that. So that's where it's like okay. Even if they don't go with that position, I do think they'll do a good job to shore it up. But I agree. I, I would never like I would never blink an eye if someone took an offensive lineman in the first three rounds. All right. Next one here is the Dallas Cowboys. Talked about a little bit about this on the tight ends show. Dane brought up Michael Mayer as a potential landing spot from Notre Dame going to Dallas if he lasts that long, which it seems yeah. like he might not based on where he's been slotted and talked about. So what does your Cowboys plan potentially look like? I <laughs> such a weird team, man. I, I like I really when I'm going, I'm like looking at this team. If they get I don't know. For me, I, they I look have at a it, lot I, of good players. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 what my first thought was just pass catcher, and and I, I, some way, shape, or form, getting a pass catcher in the first two rounds, and uh, that's how I look at it. I think uh, for defense, they they brought back Jonathan Hankins, which I, I was kind of I'm glad to see, but I wouldn't mind adding them adding some beef in the middle mm-hmm. uh, on defense. This is a by design. This is a run and hit team. This is a speed, 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 speed on defense. And that's what Dan Quinn, like, that's what they had. And Dan Quinn really has just gone with it. Like, just going, well, yeah, this is what we are. But getting uh, some beef in the middle, because once they traded for Hankins, I thought that really unlocked some things for their defense. Maybe a succession plan, but it's a it's a poor linebacker draft for Leighton Vanderish, Leighton Vanderesh, um, maybe going from him. I could see them maybe going linebacker as well in the first couple of rounds as well. So beef up the middle linebacker or interior defensive line and a pass catcher. If they can get those three spots and get contributors at those three spots, like baby, they got a stew going. <laughs> that's, 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 how, that's how I look at that team. <laughs> they, I mean, I, there's such when a weird you, team. When I you fe- first said this, when you first used that reference, I I, did, I couldn't remember what you were talking about, and then I remembered that it's it's Carl Weathers from Rest Development, <laughs> yeah. and I just I, I absolutely lost it. So it's a very good one, <laughs> very very niche comedy coming from you on this show right now. I need uh, more Archer references for just me, just to crack uh, you up. I know. I, I'll I'll be getting all of them. Uh, tight end is the first place my mind went, just because yeah. it's fun. You know, it you drop fun. a tight end out of there, and, and they have usable tight ends, right? Like the guys that they got, uh, the seven million white dudes they have from Wisconsin have, you know, they, <laughs> they're they, six they, three, two hundred fifty pound, and white. The Cowboys I are going to draft. I can't tell yeah. between any of them, like <laughs> Tyler Pendershot or something. I know it's Peyton Hendershot, but whoever those guys are, your your Ferguson Ferguson Pendershot is essentially the name of the <laughs> yes. Cowboys tight end. It's a three person name. It's yes. Dalton Ferguson Pender Hendershot. Yes, that's, that's exactly <laughs> who it is. Dalton Dalton Ferguson Pendershot the third is the is the starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. So. Uh, 
outside of him, you, know, you could still probably use like a real yeah. high end player at that position. Whether it's Michael yeah. Mayer from Notre Dame or somebody else, I'm very into that. Hard not to think about linebacker. You know, Anthony Barr, no Anthony Barr there anymore. Yep. They have Jabril Cox and Demon Clark, who they drafted over the past couple of drafts, but do they feel like they need another body there? Defensive tackle, another spot. I think it's very yep. easy to go to. Jonathan Hankins re-signed, but it's $1.3 million yeah. in a one-year deal. So not yep. preventing you from making any sort of move there. And then the other spot that you didn't mention, running back somewhere along the way. Do right. they need yeah. another kind of bigger bodied guy with Tony Pollard being at the top of that depth chart, Pollard coming off injury? You know, they signed Ronald Jones. They've got a couple other guys who are street free agents on that team, but running back for Dallas seems like it might be another possibility. No, that's a good one. Yeah, someone, someone with some beef too. Beef. They need beef. Yeah, they, 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 I mean, seriously, that's like kind of like their draft plane. But, um, no, the, yeah, the tight end one is just like, fun like that, that that's one that you just look at it you're like man that would be really cool to see Dak because Dak uses his tight ends mm-hmm. um and you know it's gonna be a Mike McCarthy offense but we'll see we'll we'll see how that goes uh he he'll use them on a flat route uh when they run slant flat once more one, one, once or twice a game but no that that he is can, one that I think he, is he can do that with Dalton Ferguson Hendershot though I mean it, that, that's the thing he'll, he'll <laughs> nope, be able that- to do that all the time I compared Sam Laporta to Jake Ferguson too. So that's what's it's actually kind of funny. Like <laughs> just get another Big Ten tight end in there. Just they're all the same anyways. I'm trying to okay. But like on day two, Zach Charbonnet at running back. That that would be from UCLA. That's that's size. He's a kind of scheme proof running back. I, I really like them as an innings eater for them. That's one one guy with size that I really like as a pairing. Um, another team that could take Roshan Johnson as well in the middle rounds as well because he has size and three down versatility. Which and he's from Texas, which I know Cowboys fans will just be oh gaga about. Maybe not Kent because Kent's a A and M fan. Uh, I've learned over the years, <laughs> but you know Texas fans will of course love having a Longhorn on on their Cowboys. Next team here. This is another fun one just because they have so many goddamn picks is the Detroit Lions. Okay. Uh, you're looking at number six. If they're not going to take a quarterback, which I've, you know, I've thought about a decent amount. I, th- I believe they visited with CJ Stroud. You know, I think that they've done their due diligence and you know, the idea of them dropping a quarterback into that situation. I keep coming back to it and why, why I just think that this might be their, the best chance, the right time for them to have that succession plan, the dismount, as we referred to it in the past, yeah. from Jared Goff and this current construction of their team. Yeah, just the, the off-ramp discount, dismount, however you're going to get there. Uh, yeah. It does seem like this is a rare opportunity to be able to do it. So I'm not ignoring that, but for our purposes here in this exercise, similar to Seattle, just give me the big dude who's going to wreck shit. You yeah. know, if Jalen Carter's there at six, if Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is there at six, yeah. just one more body that can make yeah. something happen for me up front. And it doesn't seem like they've worked out a lot of the high end corners. You know, I think other people were penciling in a corner there, you know, to them in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, the guys that they have on that team and even they signed in free agency, not sure things, not long term bets. Emmanuel Mosley's on a one year deal, stuff like that. CJ Gardner Johnson's on a one year deal. But as I look at the cornerback depth chart of the team overall and the secondary depth chart overall, Will Harris played a ton of snaps for them last year. He's still on this roster. Jerry Jacobs is still on the roster. So I don't necessarily think that they've painted themselves into a corner where they didn't do that intentionally. I don't necessarily think <laughs> Love that, a they've, good pod, buddy. <laughs> that, they've, that they've painted themselves into a corner by needing to take a corner that high yeah. in this draft. So I just think the best def- – and that's what free agency is supposed to be. Yes. Free agency is supposed sure to be – a market where you can make sure you've got enough bodies that yep. frees you up to do whatever you want in the draft. And if you can, again, find one of those just cities destroying forces at number right. six on defense, I, I would point that direction. And then just another defensive piece at 18, maybe that is maybe where you get your corner or some, other, maybe a linebacker, just some other position to, again, drop some more pop into the back seven of your defense. But those two picks being defense and then now, I thought this before the Jalen or Jamison Williams news that they could just use another pass catcher receiver yes. somewhere yes. along the way. I mean, Josh Reynolds is still their number three receiver. As good as they were on offense last year, as efficient as they were on offense last year, it's hard for me to not imagine what they would look like with one more guy. So, is yeah. that potentially a wide receiver? Is that potentially a tight end somewhere along the way? And I, let me know what you think about this, okay? They got those two second-round picks, one of them from the TJ Hopkins and trade in Minnesota. Why isn't this a DeAndre Hopkins team? Oh. 
Oh, that's fun. They have twenty-four million dollars in cap space yeah. right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give them a second rounder. Cardinals are trying to look for picks. That's a good one. That's fun. I, I, because receiver wise, because I was going to bring up receiver. I would say a day two pass catcher is how I was going to phrase it, either tight end or receiver. And I was going to say they need a ball winner. And so like that's, Cedric that's Tillman. why I yeah, kept coming back that, to it. Exactly. Think about I was going to say Cedric Tillman from Tennessee with Jamison yeah. Williams and I'm on Ross St. Brown. That's that's fun. So his that's... base salary, I think, is 19 million this year. I okay. assume he'd want a re- reconfiguration Redo, of that yeah, deal. Yeah. But even if you weren't going to do that, that 19 million, you can convert most of that to a signing bonus. You can kick that cap yeah. number down to whatever you wanted it to be in the first year because you're trading for that contract, similar to what the Browns did with Amari Cooper last year. Yeah. So I just think that it makes a lot of sense when you consider their needs and the amount of picks that they have and some of the financial flexibility that they have. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good one. I actually really like that. <laughs> I would like that better than taking a, one of these big receivers in day two. Uh, yeah, no, that I, I like that. Uh, for me, like you, you kind of gave the caveat about it. Is yeah, my heart wants them to take a quarterback with that that first pick that they have. But if we're just looking for this exercise, uh, front seven or or I should say defensive line monster, just one of these guys. Uh, if they come out of this draft with one of Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, or Tyree Wilson, I think that's a win for Lions and Lions fans. Uh, they need that type of guy. And it kind of – all three of those guys are uh, are very – they complement what Aiden Hutchinson does. And I think that that could be really fun. Like, oh, my God, Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson, like, good luck running outside against either of those. I mean, that uh, who knew, needs – like, okay, now we got to get interior help because no one's going to be able to run outside. Those guys are just going to wreck shit on the outside. But what you laid out – Defensive line first, uh, the number six pick. Their second, their second first round pick at number eighteen. Yes, I think they're in a perfect position to take a corner. Joey Porter Jr. Uh, I think is a good little spot. He's physical, and that's the type of play style I think they like. I think everyone sees Devon Devin Witherspoon from uh, Illinois and how physical he is and a, a studious. He's a very intelligent player, and that I think they see him. They're going, oh, Lions love him, and I, I can understand that pairing. But I think in this type of draft with this corners where there's not that Stingley or Sauce Gardner or that true, true blue chip corner, I think there's a lot of good, very good corners in the first round as opposed to that true blue chip top five, top ten guy. I would rather take one at 18 than at six. Yeah, you know, that, I, that just I think seems that's like the bigger drop off is going to happen with the front seven guys than it is with yes. the corners in this class, particularly. They worked out Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. He's somebody that they worked totally out. Get that. So yeah. somebody like that, maybe a little bit later on compared to the real difference maker you could potentially yes. find up front at number six. Yeah. And another team that uh, I mean, every team could look at this this position, but another team that I think a day two tight end would make a ton of sense for where they're totally. at and, and where those guys are slotted. Uh, so and, you know, the head coach. Dan Campbell has a tight end background, so I'm sure he'll be looking at these guys with a, a fine-tooth comb. Another guy, Dane had him going there in his mock. We talked about this during the tight end show. It was Darnell Washington from Georgia, and I believe yeah. that they also worked him out privately as, as part okay. of the process. So That makes a lot of sense, And then the, the last thing, a little bit later on, this is not as fun. Uh, we joked that we weren't going to talk about interior depth, but we're going to talk about interior depth here. Likely Vitae's last year. You know, with them mm. after redoing that contract, mm-hmm. do they go find another guard that could, they can slot in next season or just build yep. some depth at that position somewhere a little bit later in the draft? Yep, that makes sense. And they're a team that they they are they definitely look at that position. Like they're never going to have not have a plan there. Uh, they're very well coached. They, I mean, they had depth last year, so not, not a team that actually that makes sense for. And they brought in Glasgow to be like kind of their interior swing guy yeah. for this season, but I believe it was only on a one-year deal. Him coming I, back, so I, I I know I'm biased, but it, it's a real thing. People is that a plan for offensive line? Look at the freaking Eagles for the last decade. Yeah. It's just always having a succession plan, always having depth, always having answers is a huge, huge thing. And I think the Lions are a team that that prioritizes that. So that's why this is very realistic for them. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Stay in that division. A team that you wanted to talk about specifically was the Green Bay Packers and what theirs would look like. What does the Green Bay Packers hot streak look like? Pass catcher and safety, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, let's let's. I think they're in a great spot. Um, of course, when you look at the receivers, they're going to have their size threshold. And so you just look at receivers that weigh above 195 pounds, and you can limit the list that they're going to look at. Uh, guess who weighs about above 195 pounds? Jackson Smith and Jigba. So <laughs> I, <laughs> that would be first round pick. I would actually really like that. Uh, giving God, I like that one. Because yeah. Watson is like your slasher, like on the move guy, but he's also yeah. a downfield threat. You know, Dobbs is like a outside the numbers sort of player, yep. and then you drop it. It's, it Jigba's, you, you drop JSN's skill set into that equation. I think that all really makes a lot of sense. It does, and that that one I really do like, and I do think I think in some way they have to find a tight end on in the first three rounds. They have to, um, but just what <laughs> what they have at the position and also what this position is at. And I, I know I sound like a broken record, people, but there's enough tight ends to go around. Like for once, like so, like when saying usually when you say oh find a day two tight end, it's like yeah, there's none to draft. It's like but in this draft, there's actually guys to find. So they're a team that I would really like to have one, and especially what I they really need one that can block. Um, so finding a guy that's just an F only, like a Kincaid doesn't really, isn't a Dalton Kincaid from Utah. Isn't a great, great fit to me. Um, even with his pass catching ability, I think they do, they need someone because of their run heaviness of this offense. They need someone that could set the edge. That's a little more dynamic than Mercedes Lewis has been. Um, well, who's you know, the guy that didn't compare to Mercedes Lewis on the tight end show? It's Darnar Washington. Darnar Washington. Right. So. Oh, if they got him in the second round, I'd be, I would love that. <laughs> um, so that that's where I look at. It. They need tight end. They need a receiver, and they also need a safety. Uh, this safety class is a little iffy, but I think you can find one that's tolerable that you can maybe have a plan for um, that can contribute early because he's going to have opportunity to contribute early. I do think they worked out on Washington as well. So just one more thing to kind of keep in keep in mind there. Yeah, with uh, oh, with him and that fit, I do think makes, that makes a lot of sense. He makes more sense than what I've seen other people that are like, oh, put Washington on that offense. Like he makes a lot of sense for what the Packers do with their tight ends. They have to block because of and how they, they use them. They block on the move a lot. Got yes. guys slicing across the space. formation. Get yep. guys in space, and and that is where he is best. We talked about that on the tight yep. end show. So I hadn't thought about it previously to this conversation, but now I'm like, I want it to happen. Now I I'm way more on board. I, that's something I haven't pieced together either. So that's why we do this. It's 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 homework for us as well in a good way or learning experience. Last one here that you potentially wanted to talk about. I, I had an ellipsis and a question mark after. It's like I'm Ron Burgundy kind of question with this was the Minnesota Vikings. Do the Minnesota Vikings even fit this exercise as a team know. that's one hot streak away? I think is the question we have to answer before we dig into it. Yeah, every uh 
every conversation that we can have, I can include the Vikings in because I'm still trying to figure out what they are. Uh, but this is a team that we say they're trying to straddle, you know, two worlds, it seems like at the same time. Um, but if they feel like they want to lean on the, you know, like a, like your golf swing, it's like, okay, I'm using my wedges here. So I'm going to lean onto my front foot here. Uh, as oh, opposed wow. to my back foot. Yeah, look, Nate, I know. Nate, Nate Tice, golf guy. I know. A couple, I know, right? I moved to Vegas. I was like, oh, there's a, 20 golf courses within 10 minutes of me. I bet I have no excuses to shoot 100 anymore. Uh, but I, I see this team. Uh, they need, I, I was really, they need a corner. That's where, first and foremost, they need a corner, a playable corner. Um, I think will really help this uh, this defense in a whole. They are another team that needs a linebacker. Um, really, I just think they're where they're at. If they can hit some draft picks, they can kind of overplay themselves a little bit. All right, I mean that in a good way, more like have a better record than I would assume if they can find all these contributors. They have interesting players. Of course, Justin Jefferson. Of course, Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback. The offensive line is workable. Um, they, you know, they still have Daniil Hunter. They still have Zadarius Smith right now for whatever reason. They still have him, uh, but they have some workable pieces. So I feel like if they can get some real, real contributors, and that's why I'm, I'm kind of hesitant on naming a position. I'm just saying they need starters, but if they can find guys that can actually, you know, of course, everybody See, wants to That's why leaders. I don't think that they really fit this. I think they need yeah. too many things. One. Even talking I, it out, it's kind of, I'm losing steam as I'm talking it out. <laughs> I think they need <laughs> right too now. many things. I think yeah. that their timeline is not quite the same as some of these other no. teams are. Like the Chargers, for example. Like the Chargers, they need to win. They're all in. Yeah, they're <laughs> they all need in. to win. Yeah, it's, the the Vikings no are – this is year two. They won 13 games yeah. last year. A lot of leash go, going on with the decision makers in Minnesota right now. And they don't have that many picks. They swap second and fourth round picks with the Lions for in the TJ Hawkins. Got it in the Hawkins. Got so, but they do not have their fourth round pick because they traded it to Cleveland in last year's draft to move up for a Caleb Evans. So hmm. they still only have three picks in the first four rounds, despite getting the extra fourth from go three for three. Detroit. So <laughs> it, it, for a lot of different reasons, I, yeah. n- this is not based on any inside information. Something we talked about. I had just had this gut feeling that the Vikings don't make a pick in the first round in this year's draft and for, for two different reasons. One, we have seen them prioritize value in a slightly different way than other teams. They moved out of the first round last year and that move with the lions they are willing to trade. They look at tiers, not players. And I don't think that they're beholden to certain benchmarks of value with draft trades that some of these other teams are. I think they're willing to step outside of those traditional parameters to get what they see as value and the league overall in the Jimmy Johnson chart might not. That's one, two, they don't have enough picks. So yeah. them waiting from 23, wherever they're picking, all the way to 87, I don't think they're going to want to do that. I, I think they move back and try to accumulate some draft capital yeah. based on who their general manager is, what the current situation is, and the what they've already shown. moves what they've, they've already, already shown us in the past. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That Jameson Williams trade was really interesting I because I lo- we were live last year, so by like looking at the fallout from it, I guess, and everybody talking about the different trade values. I actually thought that was just an interesting discussion about trade theory and tier theory and and val- pick value theory. I, I really liked all that stuff. Um, just saying, it's kind of a sidebar, personal thought on all that because I do like that. That there's no perfect chart uh, of value and everything, but it is fun to look at all of them and how teams value it. And you can see when trades happen, it's like, oh, that's a huge loss for them. But you're like, look at this chart. That's actually a win. It's kind of cool to see the line of thinking, maybe a little peek behind the curtain about teams' operations. Just kind of a sidebar thought. According to more modern draft value charts, that trade is closer to even than the Jimmy Johnson chart. The the, the way that the Jimmy Johnson chart is different than a lot of the more modern charts is the Jimmy Johnson chart has – larger gaps between mm-hmm. higher and lower picks. So if you mm-hmm. uh, if you look at the value for the 10th pick and you look at the value for the 30th pick, it's a world of difference. Yeah. And the Jimmy Johnson chart, if you look at some of the more modern charts, whether it's the Chase Stewart chart or the Fitzgerald Spearberger chart on the over the cap, the gaps between those are much, much smaller because yeah. over time, with more studies that have been done, we have realized that teams overvalue high picks. So the yep. gap between 20 spots in the first round is actually much, low, much lower than we historically understood. And I and think it, that the, the, Lion, the Vikings are one of those teams that's willing to kind of live in that world. And it makes sense when you think about it when we – I mean a common refrain that people will say is, oh, there's, we only have 12 first-round grades this year. We only have 15 first-round – well, 
when shouldn't the chart reflect that? Yeah. That only like the top 12-ish picks, you know, top eight picks are kind of consistently like that type as opposed to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That there's more of a, you know, a meeting in the middle. Uh, once you get pack, pick, pick 15 to pick 60, it's like, okay, they're actually not as crazy of a difference between value and those. So no, I'm I pretty totally sure the sense. Vikings had 13 guys last year. That were tiered above where they would, they were like, we wouldn't move down if that one of those sense. 13 guys was available. Yep. I, I think that was the number. I, I almost that hesitate right. to say it. So I've had, I've had a conversation about usually, it. Yeah, usually, sometimes teams have 10. Uh, I think even today, Chris Bauer says we have 18 guys with first round grades. I, I might be wrong with who, who said it, but it, that's kind of the range that you're always working around. There's usually typically 12 to 15 is the number that you're looking at. All right, that's all we got. That was fun as hell. I love that. Was that was fun. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a got fun some, exercise. Got some to do team here. fits that I didn't even think about going into the show that we like workshopped. I, I really like it. It's just fun to, I mean, it's just a fun way to talk about fit and talk, talk about need. Yeah. And just again, some of these teams that don't always get a lot of run during the pre draft conversation because yep. the draft is not their Super Bowl. You know, for a yeah. team like the Texans yeah. or some of these other teams drafted in the top 10, the draft is their Super Bowl. So yeah. these teams are kind of on the other end of the spectrum, but yeah. that's okay. That We have to talk about them too. So just thought it was a fun way to kick off draft week we have a lot more stuff coming to yeah. you guys during draft week tomorrow dane is going to join us we're going to talk about the biggest questions that we have heading into draft night we did the show last year and just had a lot of fun doing it so we're going to do it again with the three of us kind of a precursor a to one. our live draft show that starts thursday night another reminder please subscribe to the athletic football show youtube channel and come join us on Thursday night, live from Kansas City, the entire first round, we're going to be reacting and breaking down every single pick. Then we're going to be back on Friday doing rounds two and three. People have asked, just wanted to let you guys know, these will be available as podcasts. We're actually going to break it up a little bit, so it's not a four-hour long podcast, but there will be several podcasts coming your way that are a product of this live draft show. If you want, if you Release want to listen, the Snyder Cut. Re- release the Beller cut. That's a, that's what it's going to be. It's all Four one, and a half one long show. show. Yeah. So <laughs> they they will be available as pods. So if you want to yeah. listen, you know, please do that. But we are going to have some visual elements that do kind of take things up a notch with the live version of the show. So we encourage you to come watch if you want to watch. Uh, just a couple other like little details. We're not going to have the 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 feed of the draft going because that's illegal, but we will have us and we will be following along and we will be doing it according to the broadcast. We're not going to tip picks. We're going to follow along with you guys because we think that's the most fun way to do it. A couple people on Twitter had asked about that. So just wanted to kind of throw that out logistically. The other show we have coming your way this week, top 10 mock draft with our beat writers who cover these teams. We've done that over the last couple of years. I really enjoy doing it. I think it's a really fun kind of pre-draft show. So that will be coming your way on Wednesday. And then we're there. Football GM, normal day on Thursday, and then the draft is happening. So uh, we're very, very close, and I'm very, very excited to be close. So that is your athletic football show programming for this week. For now, though, that is all we've got. We'll be back with Dane tomorrow. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.